All right, so Jake Axtons and Matt Gentile, both casualty actuaries and co-founders of the Sexuality and Gender Alliance for Actuaries, are my guests on today's CCA Leadership Development Interview Series. Um, I, I want to spend the, the next little bit of our time here um, talking about your views on leadership. Um, Jake, I'll, I'll start with you on this question, but I want to get the view of uh, your view on the importance of inclusive leadership. What does that mean? What does it look like? To me, inclusive leadership um, really starts with that person um, being introspective and having an open mind. Um, so we talk a lot about intersectionality um, and what intersectionality is, is thinking about the various social identities that you have and how they intersect. So for example, my experience as a white cis um, person with an actuarial income who also identifies as gay is likely um, very different than someone who is maybe a black trans woman um, who's also an actuary or maybe does another profession. Um, so just um, making sure um, or doing your best to treat people as people, be adaptable, listen to um, the individual and their wants and needs and treat people as the individuals that they deserve to be treated. I think that's the first step um, in what I would think of as inclusive leadership. Um, the next step would be um, sh uh, showing up for that person um, when others are, when, when they are not around. So in those um, closed conversations, Maybe you are in a leadership team where a lot of individuals share the same identities um, as you, um, and you hear them maybe say something that's problematic or misguided, or um, they'll pass up on someone for an opportunity because they're making an assumption about them. Um, you, as an inclusive leader, it's imperative for you to think critically of how can you, um, how can you bring your concerns or your, um, your um, advocacy for that individual to the forefront. So maybe one, one uh, step for you to do is to, in the moment, say something. But for a lot of us, that's very tough um, and might not be the safest or the right thing to do. Um, maybe the right thing to do is to have an individual conversation um, with someone after the fact. Or maybe it's um, a longer-term approach where you talk with um, someone on your team or someone else in the leadership group and you think about how you can think strategically to try to um, make a policy change or make a cultural shift um, moving forward. Um, when I think about inclusive leadership, I think of people who have been um, not only high up in organizations, but also in that um, middle, middle, mid-management tier, if you will, who simply reach out and ask things like, how is your day going? Or when we have conversations, um, we speak informally and we speak um, on, on the basis um, that we all feel comfortable in instead of like putting pressure on. Um, another thing is um, just like asking what your employee wants. So maybe someone new is joining your team. Um, do they want you to send an email out to everyone asking or saying that they've joined? Um, do they want you to um, announce them in a team meeting? Do they want to introduce themselves in the team meeting? 
Um, so just kind of like thinking about not only what will make you as the leader um, look good per se, but what will um, make your employee feel the most comfortable at the workplace, bringing their authentic selves. I think the funny thing about what you're saying, Jake, is that it's not um, in any inclusive leader should be doing that with anybody, right? It, it doesn't matter what their right. back is, if they're a minority or, a, or another um, uh, marginalized group. I mean, that what we're talking about, and I like how you put it, is to treat people as people, right? And I think maybe one of the harder things um, from a leadership standpoint that, uh, that we can come across I've certainly come across as people that have, you know, everyone comes with their own biases and their own perspectives from their upbringing and their experiences in life. But to realize that other people have different backgrounds and different experiences, and, and which leads exactly to what you said um, about taking the time to get to know somebody and, and really figure out what's the best way to bring them all together, bring the whole team all together, but doing so on an, on an individual level. Um, so I, I, I really like that. I appreciate that. Yeah. And I'll say that it improves, <coughs> it improves not only the relationship that you have with that employee on a personal level, but in my experience, it has really improved the work product as well, because then that, um, report that you have feels comfortable asking you questions. Um, they feel comfortable bringing things to you or bouncing new ideas off of you because you have demonstrated that you're an open-minded person. Matt, same uh, same question to you. What does include what the importance of inclusive leadership, and what does it look like? What does it mean to you? Yeah, so I think Jake had two terms. Well, the one term specifically that I that I think is most important in inclusive leadership, and it's it's just being adaptable. Um, I, I think a lot of times, especially within the actual profession, the, the history has not been super diverse, um, and and I can you know anecdotally think of. I went to the University of Connecticut and I know that there were some companies and they would hire all of their interns from the University of Connecticut and everyone was, you know, had the same background, same experiences. There was everyone looked alike and it was just the same people over and over again. So you're just pumping them through the company um, and everyone's, you know, super happy because you have things that you can relate to. But it's sort of an inclusive leader is able to take people with different backgrounds, um, different races, different sexual orientations, and, and make them feel comfortable within your company. And that actually might make the leader themselves uncomfortable because it's going outside of what they're used to. Um, and I think it's another thing is just being okay with being uncomfortable. Um, if you're if if you are if you're not uncomfortable, then you're not doing it right. I guess is what I would come down to. Because um, I think a lot of times, you know, people I've even seen, you know, DNI trainings happen, and people are like, "Wow, that was really uncomfortable." Well, that's good. It's supposed to be uncomfortable. If it wasn't uncomfortable, then these conversations would have happened a long time ago. Um, so I think in, in that situation, it's really just making sure that you are understanding all your employees and you are adapting yourself um, for, for all the challenges that that individual might face. And then I also think it's just like a taking a step back and looking at the leadership at your company. Does it represent a bunch of different groups or is it just, does everyone, is everyone the same? Do they have the same backgrounds? Um, does everyone look the same? And, to, and really trying to analyze that and figure out why that is. Um, I know that that's not necessarily something that all leaders can really change in their company because it really depends on what level you are. Um, but I would always think of that, and I think of like the team, the people that you bring into the company and hire. Are you, you know, picking certain people because it's just more comfortable? And and try, like Jake said before, analyzing why you may say no, you might be saying no 
um, to someone that you're hiring and if, if it's because of some sort of biased reason or if there really is just, you know, a better talent option out there. Yeah, and I, I, I'll go back to your University of Connecticut example there. Um, there's, to, to, to really bring in a diverse team um, it requires it to not necessarily be convenient. Right. I'm sure right. those companies, it was easy for them. Right. That, right down the street. A whole, yeah. There's a whole pool of candidates right there that are itching for a job. Um, and it's really easy to bring them in. Um, so I think another thing that I heard you say there then, Matt, was that um, to, to really do this right, in some ways, it's also got to be inconvenient. Yeah. Right. Uncomfortable and, and in some ways inconvenient from what we're normally used to. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I think that, you know, and I, and I know other groups like IABA and OLA have also said this as well. A lot of times we get really used to um, recruiting from the same schools and companies have, you know, their, their, you know, four schools that they go to the year. And it's like, well, you're getting the same group of people into the company and you're just perpetuating this, this um, idea. And it's like, okay, yeah, they're, they're good talent, but there's lots of other talent out there. So you just have to be able to open your mind to that. And I think a lot of companies are doing that too with remote work opportunities. It's really allowing them to reach outside um, what they're, they're used to because, you know, of the location where their office is. Yeah. Well, I, I want to turn the focus on to the two of you specifically. Um, and, and Matt, I'll, I'll stay with you for this next question. Um, as you think about your role as a leader within the profession, what adjustments have you had to make to be successful, especially as it relates to uh, co-founding Saga? Yeah, I, I'd say a lot of it, it's probably back to the two topics I just was talking about with the adaptable and being uncomfortable. Um, I mean, when we first created this group and, and we're planning on leading it, I um, honestly first just envisioned it as a LinkedIn page and we were like, okay, well, we'll have something out there. People can learn some stuff from it. Um, and then as you know, we, we got a lot of feedback that people were looking for more. It was like, okay, well, we need to change what we're doing. We need to think of a different way to approach this. We need to be creating other content out there. We need to now be bringing a board on. Well, now we need to create committees because we have way too much work for just the five of us. So just really being able to uh, change the path and course that we were planning on going down um, as we've seen what people need and want. Um, I think that's also been really important as well because you know what Jake and I were planning at the beginning might not be what the rest of the LGBTQ plus community wants or needs. Um, and we've really had an opportunity to hear from a bunch of different people. So I think that's a huge thing about for me that I've learned from all of this is to be a good leader, you need to make sure that you are including everyone's opinion and that you are sort of taking what people have to say and say, hey, well, maybe we we're planning on doing this, but now we're, we're changing that up. Um, and then honestly, just realizing that we can't do it all. I think a lot of, we've, we've had a lot of people reach out for us to do things and, and participate. And, you know, some of them are in person in different locations. And it's just sort of taking that step back and realizing that as a leader, you have to, you have to make the choices of what you're able to do and what you're able to take on and, and what's for the betterment of the group, um, knowing that at some point you're going to have to say no to some things. Um, and that has been a real challenge just because we want to be able to do all these different things. Um, but it, it's sort of playing that game as well. Um, and then just bringing others along for the journey. Like Jake said, we, we've posted a lot of content that's really had our board members um, focused, but we know that there are so many other impactful LGBTQ plus actuaries that we want to make sure that uh, their stories are being heard and that they're really having an opportunity to be up there. So just taking all those leadership skills and really applying them um, to this group has been, really, has been really helpful for me. Excellent. Jake, kind of same question to you. Um, as you think about your role as a leader within the profession, what adjustments have you had to make along the way? 
First of all, I'll say that Matt gave a wonderful answer. So all of that, but uh, the next piece I want to touch on, I think Matt would also agree is that um, in our uh, day actuarial jobs, Matt and I both are individual contributors. Um, neither of us are managers, but we've certainly had to learn a lot of um, management um, delegation and um, I don't want to call it delegation, but um, how to be a leader and inspire others who would like to follow um, the, um, the, the, what you are setting. So um, ha uh, making it such that there is a clear vision that people get excited about. And like Matt said, reaching out to others and um, seeing what we should be doing as a group, not only what Jake and Matt want to be doing, but not only what Jake, Matt, Arias, Sarah, Sarah, and Aaron want to be doing, but what does the profession need and how can we be um, most helpful? So there's been that. And then also we've um, started leading this organization in a very challenging environment. Um, we're all virtual. Um, I've had the pleasure um, through like throughout the years of being able to meet um, four, um, including myself, four of five board members, but um, some of them uh, haven't met anyone in person and some um, have um, only met a few. And then also, um, with COVID and um, everything going on, people have gone through um, various um, different life circumstances. Um, and of course, like mental health is a very important thing to touch on. Um, so really just learning how to lead in a um, tumultuous at times, yet very exciting environment has been um, very, very cool through this organization. And I'm excited to see um, where we grow in the future. Let me build out of uh, one of the things you said there, Jake. Um, when you think about some of your role models when it comes to leadership, how have you tried to emulate their examples? You talk about bringing other people along and setting that example for other people. But, but what about you personally? Who, who are some of the people that you've looked up to over the years and have tried to emulate? Yes, I definitely um, would give a shout out in particular to a manager um, that Matt and I actually um, both actually managers who Matt and I um, shared um, in a prior life, I will say. Um, I felt like while we were in that environment, we were always listened to, um, we were always advocated for, and always, or at least I felt that way. Um, and I felt like um, we were given the flexibility to have these conversations in the workplace, not only on an individual basis of yeah, we're involved in pride and like in our one-on-ones and stuff like that. But um, it was the conversations that Matt and I had at our desks um, in the office that um, helped us get to this point. So that's been really, really cool. Um, I look up to leaders in the actuarial profession who have started similar organizations. Um, I'll give a quick shout out to um, Alejandro and Adelaida um, who started OLA recently. The work that they've done definitely inspired us along the way. And I'm also very, very inspired by the um, new actuarial organizations that have been um, starting um, in 2020, 2021, and will sure to um, continue um, to develop, including the network of actuarial women and allies. Um, I'm really, really inspired by people who um, take that first step because um, maybe you have a thought and then you let it linger on for a few years, but really taking that first step to say, I slash we want to go forward and do this. I think that that's really, really inspiring. 
Awesome. Matt, same thing to you. Who are some of your role models? Yeah, I'll uh, echo those Jake's comments about our former managers, but then I'd also say Steve Armstrong, um, former CAS president. I mean, he was openly out and, and posted uh, consistently about it during his presidency um, with the CAS and, and used that as a platform and opportunity to talk about um, LGBTQ plus uh, identities. And I thought that that was really impactful. And, you know, it, it helps other people feel comfortable joining the profession and also feel comfortable taking on leadership um, positions within the society, seeing that there is some representation there. So I always think of leaders that are okay with being out and open. Um, I know I had a former underwriting leader at my uh, prior company that would speak about, uh, you know, his partner and, and gave um, different storytelling opportunities um, throughout the years. And I thought that that was always impactful to me. So I, I've sort of tried to take from those those individuals and realize that the way that I'm going to have the biggest impact is to constantly tell my story over and over again. Um, maybe even too much for some people, but making sure that it's constantly out there so that if it impacts at least one person, um, then I'm doing what I want to do. Excellent. Matt, Jake, thank you so much for being my guest on uh, today's interview series and uh, uh, look forward to seeing the work that you continue to do with Saga in the uh, months and, and years to come and, and all the good things that you're all doing. I really appreciate it. And uh, for everyone else, uh, thanks for joining us. And you can find more information uh, about upcoming CCA events on the CCA's website, ccactuaries.org. And we'll catch you next time. Matt, Jake, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you so much.